Let's talk about the biggest W-O-T. More powerful parenting on this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Greetings, everyone. This is Pushback, and I'm Dr. Johnny, and we have a lot to cover today, so I'm just going to jump right into it. I have to start uh, by talking about and sort of recapping the midterm election. Uh, We did get word yesterday that... The GOP did take over the House of Representatives, um, which hopefully will slow down uh, some of the Biden uh, administration's agenda, at least. Um, This wasn't uh, the outcome that the GOP was hoping for as far as degree of victory, uh, but victory nonetheless. And so I feel good about that. I'm still confounded and dumbfounded by this issue of Nevada and Arizona taking one week to count their ballots. Now, we feel like we've just been doing this about two years ago, actually very shortly after I started doing this podcast in 2020, with an incredible amount of election integrity issues. And I feel like here we go again with the whole world, literally, watching Nevada and Arizona. It took a week, mysteriously, only in those two places to count the ballots for the senatorial race. And then mysteriously, the Democrats had just enough votes in the end to win both races. I can't honestly believe that I'm talking about this again. And if you raise a red flag or you say anything about it, you get called an election denier. Well, I'm going to go back to a narrative that I've had from the very beginning is that we actually don't have the burden of proof to prove that our elections are real. The election, uh, the, the election bodies, the ones that the, the secretaries of state that run the elections in each state actually have the burden of proof to prove to us that the elections are fair and honest. It's not for us afterwards to have to prove that something nefarious happened. It's for them to prove to us that something nefarious didn't happen. That's the way it ought to work. That's called integrity of leadership. And so when things look and smell fishy, there needs to be an explanation. It's just that simple. I am not going on my podcast saying that there was absolute fraud that took place in 2020 or in 2022, but my spidey senses are tingling again. And here we go again. It's a bad look. And somebody needs to explain to me why only in these two Senate races, the only two that really mattered, the two that were considered toss-up from the very beginning, why only those two would take a week to slowly tabulate uh, these amounts. Now, they may say because it was close, they have to wait till all the ballots are in. It doesn't take a week to count extra ballots. There's something wrong going on here, and it feels fishy. And, and despite the fact that this happened last time, and despite the fact that everybody was looking brazenly, it happened again. 
And it's hard to imagine anybody feeling like this was full of integrity again. And so here we go again. And so we'll see if there's going to be some recounts or, or what is going to happen with this. But um, I, I, I am dumbfounded. I'm dumbfounded that uh, a state that's also been close, other states, uh, Florida has many more millions of people, and yet they had their election results in three hours. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's confounding to me, and I don't understand, and I think somebody needs to explain it. It's just not a good look. And so... We'll see if we get any kind of explanation. We'll see what the fallout is from this over time, but most likely it'll be nothing. Um, and it's very, very disconcerting as we go forward. And so I believe this is a cultural issue as this podcast is about culture. It's not really about politics. It's about the culture of politics. And um, I just feel like it's something is off. And so we have to continue to look into it and have to be diligent to do so. So as I get more information, I will share it with you and we'll see where this goes forward. I am um, pleased, however, that uh, the House of Representatives have turned to the GOP. I think that'll bring some balance uh, and hopefully uh, slow some things down. Um, the message I want to talk about today is continuing with my series on powerful parenting. Um, I believe this has been so important. I appreciate your positive feedback. That so many have given me in this regard. I believe this one ties in very much with the one I spoke about in drugs and alcohol in the realm of escapism. Um, it also ties into the one I just re recently released about uh, social media and screen time and the dangers thereof. I really want to talk about gaming uh, and video games uh, in this episode. Now, some people might roll their eyes and say, well, this is just not that big of a deal. Um, but it is extremely prevalent, and I do want to make a point uh, based on the title W-O-T. You're probably curious what that means. That's a catchphrase that my wife Amy and I will often use uh, when talking with our children sometimes, and it stands for a waste of time. <laughs> it stands for a waste of time, and I, I do want to talk about that in regards to video games and gaming. There are more than 2.5 billion gamers in the world which means about one in every three people is considered a gamer. So this is prevalent. This is not just a, a peripheral conversation. Um, and so this is uh, something that most likely your child will at least be exposed to or is heavily exposed to. And my job in, my, in this podcast is just to explain the dangers to you. And really the punchline at the end is why we always need to have boundaries and strategies for our children. In this series of Powerful Parenting, that has been my goal, to have boundaries and strategies around our kids because we absolutely have to be proactive. Is gaming and video games a big deal? I think maybe it is. Excessive time playing these games can lead to, according to several articles that I read, uh, less time socializing with friends and family, that's obvious, poor social skills, time away from family time, schoolwork, and other hobbies, lower grades, less reading, less exercise, obesity, decreased sleep, poor quality of sleep, and aggressive thoughts and behaviors. So that's not a great list, and we need to uh, press in. You know, it's interesting as I research this topic, it's funny to me how many articles, I wouldn't say many, but some articles are trying to very desperately make a claim that video games can maybe be good for you and maybe help in some ways. 
Um, studies have not proven that one iota, and most of these studies are probably done by the gaming uh, community uh, or the uh, video game companies themselves. But just let me read this paragraph to you. Before discussing the harms of gaming, it is only fair to mention the benefits. Aside from being entertaining and a fun pastime, gaming can provide a way for people to interact with each other. A virtual community as they work together towards completing common tasks. Our society suffers from an epidemic of loneliness and gaming can be a vehicle to connect with others. Are you kidding me? This is, it felt comical to me as I read this that we are going to look to a virtual community to overcome our epidemic of loneliness. It's laughable, really, because that's what we've come to. It's like, well, we can't get our kids away from gaming, so let's try to make it as social as possible. It's sad. There's mixed research that there are some cognitive benefits to gaming, and the answer is mixed research. I've actually looked into it, and it's actually quite sad, the research. Um, not a whole lot. And even if there was, what's the point? It isn't entirely clear how much these benefits extend outside of the video game sphere into the real world. And that's really what this is about. This is about the real world. This is about engaging our kids in the real world because we have to have the mantra. We have to have the banner over our homes that we are ambassadors of heaven and here for a reason. And if they're sitting in front of a video game, are they accomplishing their purposes here on this earth? Let me just go real quickly uh, through some of the dangers, uh, other problems with gaming. Uh, there are repetitive stress injuries, overuse injuries. We can uh, appreciate that, such as carpal tunnel. Um, there's something called gamer's thumb, which was previously called PlayStation thumb, or I do like this one, Nintendonitis. <laughs> That's actually like pretty clever who came up with that. Nintendonitis. It occurs when the tendon that moves the thumb becomes inflamed. The medical term is D. Cravain's tenosynovitis, which we see in a lot of different professions, but unfortunately has become quite prominent with gamers. It's been associated with sleep deprivation, insomnia, depression, aggression, and anxiety. There also is a concern that exposure to the extreme violence that the, that is commonly found in video games can desensitize teens and young adults to such violence, causing emotional problems and even leading uh, to young people committing acts of violence. This certainly has been controversial when we see the school shootings. Uh, some people have tried to write it off to video games. Um, I believe it is a component. Um, it always comes back to identity. And so the question is, what is about this person that is shooting people in a school that has led them to violence? Is it gaming? Is it Are they victims of a gaming society? Or is there something broken inside of them? See, gaming is just another expression or an escapism of people who are hurting. People who are hurting. And hurting people hurt people. It's that simple. It all comes down to identity. And I've said it a million times on this podcast that one exposure to a loving father changes everything. It changes everything. So when we see gaming as a problem, it is a, it is a symptom. And as parents, we need to recognize it as a symptom of something maybe greater. Gaming has also been, gaming has also been associated with psychological problems. It is still an open question whether video game addiction or internet gaming disorder, it has a name, IGD. This obviously didn't exist when I was a kid. 
because there was no internet. <laughs> internet gaming disorder, IGD, is a unique syndrome according to the American Psychological Association. I'm really not mocking it or laughing at it like it's not real. It's just that it's so new that we actually have a new name for it. IGD is defined as experiencing at least five of the following nine criteria over a 12-month period. And here is the nine criteria. Gaming, preoccupation, withdrawal, tolerance, which means you just need more to get the same result, loss of interest in other activities, downplaying use, loss of relationship, educational, or career opportunities, gaming to escape or relieve anxiety, guilt, or other negative mood states, failure to control, continued gaming despite psychological problems. It sounds like an addiction in a lot of other ways, doesn't it? A lot of the same types of words. So what pulls people in? What is, what is the addicting portion of it? Well, people have tried to distinguish and to try to bring verbiage to what people are experiencing through video games and gaming. And one word is escape. It's defined as gaming to avoid life's difficulties. And my friends, this makes perfect sense. As we see, even in our conversation with drugs and alcohol, that there is pain in this world. And if we can escape to another world, if we can leave this world uh, mentally and in our soul, um, can leave this world and find a different place, even temporarily, it makes us feel better temporarily. It's also been described as being used as coping, defined as gaming for mood boosting or channeling of emotions. So this is absolutely at the level of people's soul. There is something that they're searching for in their soul to bring healing and to overcome feelings of depression and anxiety. So if gaming is an issue with your children, you may shrug your shoulders and say, well, this is just entertainment and for fun, but there might be other reasons. And if they're continually being drawn to it, if they're continually asking if they can do it, if they just stop asking and continue to do it for hours and hours at a time, which so many kids do and get drawn into, it's most likely because there's a different reason. There's most likely something in life that they are escaping from, most likely a sadness or an anxiety. Listen to this paragraph. Right now, many people play video games because they get to be somebody else. Someone who is much better, uh, someone who is in a much better position than they currently are. Now, for some people, instead of trying to improve themselves or loving themselves just the way they are, they start to hate themselves. This also causes that person to become addicted to that game because they get to be someone much cooler than themselves. They start to play that game as a means of escape from life, which they believe is miserable. That's about the saddest paragraph I could read in regards to our current culture, society, and our children. My friends, we need to have our eyes opened that video games offers a fantasy world. It offers a, an alternative reality, an alternative identity. For many kids and people, and that makes this very nefarious. It makes this very dangerous. As we enter into these fantasy worlds, we get to be somebody else. You know, it's, it's some of the, the um, intoxication that we get from social media as well, because there's a certain anonymity to it where we almost get to be somebody else. And, and it's addicting. 
and it's a powerful draw. But video games take it even one step further because you not only get to be anonymous, you actually get to be somebody else who is much more powerful, much more potent, much more um, uh, kick butt, if I can say, that everybody wants to be or desires to be or desires to be anybody but themselves. And there is a sadness connected to that. And we as parents need to have a discussion with our kids, especially when they're getting drawn deeper and deeper into the gaming world. Speaking of the gaming world, this has just blown my mind. The title of this podcast is WOT, Waste of Time. And I believe that I'm going to talk about that in just one second. But many of you may not realize, maybe many of you do, that there is a whole new world, and I, I even hesitate to even say this, I can't even believe this, of people who actually watch other people play video games. Video games have, has become a spectator sport. And that blows my mind. It's the whole new level of wasting time where you're not even playing the video game, but you're actually watching and admiring other people playing a video game. There's a apparently a online uh, uh, access point called Twitch which allows you to watch video games. This is all new to me, I'm sorry. It has 5 million active viewers who spend 106 minutes each day watching live gaming. My friends, what has our culture come to? This is serious. This ranks higher than primetime cable TV networks like CNN. Overall, the global esports audience is projected to double in the next three years from 300 million to more than 600 million viewers. These aren't gamers. These are viewers. 1.6 billion people will have some knowledge of esports by the end of this year. Well, at least my podcast listeners will now because you're added to that number because I'm just educating you now. My friends, this is getting serious. This is consuming lives, time and lives. And so I just want to take one step back and say, okay, let's assume that this isn't harmful at all, all the things that I've just listed. Let's assume that this is just fun and games. Let's assume that this isn't harmful and this, this is just for fun and decompressing. It is a waste of time. Video games require a lot of time. I remember being in college and we had the old N Nintendo system and it was, you know, pixelated and not all that great. But I would come back from classes and I would turn on the video game. And there was a, I remember, my, my brothers would remember this, but we had one game where it was sort of spaceships and we flew through um, different different challenges and then you end up getting to the castle and you had to overthrow the dragon and and, uh, and you got to the point because we played it enough that we could actually get all the way to the end. And so then it became a challenge of how fast you could get to the end. And of course, to get to the end would be a better part of an hour or more because, you know, the preliminary rounds were easy and you had to work your way through that. But the whole point was to get to the end and maybe do it by yourself, maybe do it by quite quickly or faster than the next person. And it drew you in. And every single day, it was an hour or two that you couldn't get back. I look back at that and feeling the draw, feeling the competitiveness, uh, feeling the, the escapism, feeling the, the escape from maybe the stress of life. 
And I could see how it wouldn't be that hard to be drawn into other games. And before you know it, you're sitting in front of a screen for hours and hours at a time, which statistics show is absolutely the case with a huge number of not only teenagers, but young adults. It's disrupting families, it's disrupting marriages for sure, and it's disrupting children's lives. Victor Hugo said, short as life is, we make it still shorter by the careless waste of time. Victor Hugo was quoting the (laughs) W-O-T. But more importantly, what Victor Hugo has to say, let's hear what the Bible has to say. Psalm 39, 4 through 5, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Isn't that what we want for our children? That they understand what the will of the Lord is for their lives. And they don't have to wait till they're adults. And they certainly don't need to escape the life that they're in now. Now, I understand that there is real depression. There's real anxiety. There's real stresses in kids' lives, maybe unprecedentedly. That could be true. But video games can be a way for them to just escape the reality of life rather than being healed from the reality of life, which is not what we want for our children. We want them to be effective. We want them to be uh, people who to latch on to the calling of their lives. We need to have our children take the stand. This has been my series on powerful parenting. Put them on the stand. Not only take a stand, but take the stand. And let's ask them some questions about gaming, about video games, and what they feel when they do it, and why they do it. And I think as we, as you talk and have this discussion with them, maybe even play this podcast for them, that they will understand that boundaries around this behavior is always necessary. Limitations, boundaries, um, Um, In moderation, everything is so important no matter what we are talking about. But we have to be careful and have our eyes opened that the gaming world actually sucks you in and draws you into an alternative universe. Which is not why we're here on this earth. We are here to actually engage this real world with all of its warts and its problems and its pain and its agony. With all of those things, we still need to head on, head on and not just survive or whittle our time away, but actually be potent and be the ones who actually bring real change here on this earth. And your kids, your kids are integral, integral to that plan. It's about identity and it's about purpose. And as we continue to hammer into our children that they are filled with purpose and identity, it's not what the public school is telling them, but we can tell them as parents that they are full of identity and purpose. And as they run with that, as they get that down into their DNA, into their pores, that they know who they are, then they will look for their time here on this earth to be profitable, to be effective, that they will look to see that they are here on this earth for a reason. And as it says in, the, in Psalms, it's fleeting. It's not very long that we're here. It's, we need to make the most of it. We need to make the most of it. We can't whittle away our time with useless activities. 
with the WOTs of this world. So what is their purpose? What boundaries and strategies can you give your children? If you really do feel like this is just entertainment and fun for them, something to do um, here and there, then put a clear boundary around it. If you feel like it's something that's addictive, that's drawing them away from their calling of life, that has actually been uh, harmful to relationships, then I believe the boundary is to throw it in the garbage. (laughs) Who needs it? Have them reconnect with reality. Start exploring other ideas for their time and their efforts and their and their mind. Remember we talked about that uh, our mind needs time even for boredom to actually be refueled and to re-energize. This is is true science, that our mind can't constantly be stimulated. And these are the effects that we are seeing when kids' minds are continually and endlessly stimulated. And so we need to have clear boundaries about what that is. And it's okay, parents, to be powerful and to be effective. It's okay to pull the plug literally and say, this is not beneficial for you. Why would I let you do it? And for everyone else, clear boundaries of time. How much time is that? Is is that? Well, studies have shown 20 to 30 minutes at the most. Beyond that, they start to get actual physical and emotional side effects. There's been gazillions of studies on just screen time adding up the phone and the video games and the TV and, and the computers, how much time we send, spend in front of a screen. It's time for us to put those things away and engage in this world in real life activities so that our time is valuable and purposeful. So let's do this together, parents. We need to be powerful and effective. Teens who are listening to this, Please listen to my words and and see the importance of your time here on this earth and why you are here, because the Father will reveal that to you. And he will let you, as it says in Ephesians, understand what the will of the Lord is for you. So with that exhortation, let's go together now to set and shape the culture.